0: Wake up. It's the Sleep Unplugged Podcast, Episode 71, Sleep and Extreme Temperatures, Hot-Blooded, Cold as Ice. Welcome everyone to the podcast. My name is Chris Winter. I'm a neurologist and sleep specialist and your host for this really exciting episode of the podcast. I can't wait to dive into it. If you're new to the Sleep Unplugged podcast family, welcome, we're very glad you're here. If you're one of our veteran listeners, welcome back. We appreciate each and every one of you. It's been an exciting week for the podcast. The sleep and injury episode we did last week was a lot of fun, and I think dovetails very nicely into today's topic on sleep and extreme temperature. Before we get going, if you want to get in touch with the show, suggest a topic as one of our listeners did, I'll get to in just a second, uh, give some comment, clarity, color, criticism, whatever you want to do, you can get in touch with us through social media, Winner Twitter, Dr. Chris Winner Instagram, TikTok, threads, Blue Sky, it's all out there. We have a YouTube channel, it's the Sleep Unplugged YouTube channel, and right now, The YouTube channel is at 299 subscribers. The TikTok page is at 334. So it's a battle for those two platforms, supremacy. Uh, I usually spend most of my time posting on Instagram and Twitter, but you can find me anywhere. There's a LinkedIn page and Facebook and all that good stuff. Try to put all of our good sleep information out there. And we always start the show off with, Comments, corrections, criticisms, and we've got two of them from listeners that we really appreciate. Amy Johnson wrote, Whoa, RLS seems to run on my maternal side. Does it have a genetic influence? Yes, it does. And we did a restless leg symptom, restless leg syndrome episode pretty early in the podcast. It was restless leg syndrome, you got to move, so you can look for that if you think you might have restless leg. And, And yes, Amy, there's a huge genetic component to that condition. And I think that she wrote in because of the episode we did about insomnia pretenders, that was episode 67, we touched on restless leg. She also wrote, I often think I'm awake for a long period of time, but then in the morning, I wake up feeling refreshed. Does that happen with paradoxical insomnia? And the answer is absolutely, yes, it does. Paradoxical insomnia was episode 20 of the podcast. Restless leg was episode 13. So Amy's making all kinds of great connections with her sleep because of the podcast, and we're appreciative of that. I wanted to touch upon really quickly Joyce, who wrote into the podcast and wrote, first, I love your podcast and don't miss any of them. Thank you very much, Joyce. This suggestion doesn't fit in with this podcast that she was talking about, the episode that we were doing, but it does fit in with sleep apnea topics. I hear you talk about sleep apnea a lot, especially when you're talking about insomnia, but you only ever mention obstructive sleep apnea. I have a suggestion for a different topic that's related to sleep apnea. How about a discussion on central apnea? And she goes on to say that she gets a lot of conflicting information about. Uh, central apnea what her doctors are telling her is not necessarily what she reads she doesn't have access to a lot of great resources when it comes to sleep and i agree joyce i think central apnea would be a great topic for a podcast and we will do it and i think that you are right to feel a sense of confusion within that topic because it is a difficult one so thank you very much amy and joyce for getting in touch with the the podcast one of them did through Instagram, the other through Sleep Unplugged uh, YouTube page. So we try to look at all that stuff and 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 dig out comments, corrections, and and whatnot. Uh, if you want to leave a review for the podcast, we certainly appreciate those too. So before we get into the podcast, let's talk about the the title of today's podcast: "Hot Blooded, Cold as Ice." And if you're a Foreigner fan, you recognize that we actually put two titles of their songs into the podcast and i'm a huge foreigner fan i'm going to tell you right now the fact that foreigner is not in the rock and roll hall of fame is crazy town they uh so if you're familiar with foreigner uh, lou graham lead singer mick jones their guitarist uh, was a guy from uh, ian mcdonald uh, was a sort of a multi-instrumentalist who was a member of king crimson so it was a super group You know, half of them were from the United States. Half of them were from uh, London, England. And that's where the name came from. Mick Jones came up with foreigner because he said, you know, no matter where we're playing, over half of us are probably going to be foreigners in the city that we're playing in, which was great. And I've always been a uh, Mick Jones fan. Now, this is Mick Jones of Foreigner not Mick Jones of the Clash which a lot of people get confused Mick Taylor of the Rolling Stones Brian Jones of the Rolling Stones a lot of Jones, Taylors, Mix involved in rock and roll back in, in at that time period which is a little confusing and Foreigner was massively successful released uh, their first four albums all of them were 5 times platinum or more so hot blooded came from their album double vision It is a neurologist i'm a huge fan of foreigner because their titles are all about sleep and neurological conditions we have double vision and head games and all kinds of good stuff there so second album uh double vision came out in 1978 hot blooded peaked at number three it's just a sort of a straight ahead great rock and roll song and It was interesting, they were interviewed about the song. I think Mick Jones said, yeah, or Lou Graham said, yeah, you look out in the audience and you see somebody you wanna meet and you're singing the song Hot-Blooded. And by the time you get done to your interviews and everything, um, you're just kind of alone in the city. Everybody goes home and you're just kind of walking around the city alone. And so he always thought there was a great uh, sort of contrast between the song Hot-Blooded and what really happens when you're on the road as a rock and roll band. Cold as Ice came off of their debut album, which was called Foreigner. It was released in 1970, went to number six. It was actually, for a period of time, the B-side of their very first single, which was Feels Like the First Time, and then they released it as its own single with its own B-side. And if you want to laugh, Google Feels Like the First Time Jack Black he does, he's being interviewed at some sort of thing. And all of a sudden he launches into this acapella version of feels like the first time. And it is absolutely hilarious. You got to check that out. So let's get foreigner in the rock and roll hall of fame and move on with the show, sleep and extreme temperature. So this all started for a couple of reasons. First of all, Sauna Box, which is a company that makes sort of at home portable saunas reached out and said, we would love for you to try out our product. And I had actually followed their page and thought, this looks great. I love heat, you know, before a workout or just during the day. I just love sitting in a sauna. And this is this great little portable sauna you can kind of set up, you know, out on your back porch and, and, and get the benefits of that kind of, that, that sort of a wet sauna uh, situation. So I was like, great, that, that would be a really fun topic for a show. About the same time, my older son sent me a text and the text essentially said no we're not taking any what was it yeah this was the text this when you're when you're a parent a bit parents of if you're an empty nester you can probably relate to this so your kids leave and you take any scrap you can to kind of connect with them you reach out and you see how their days are and you have your little family zoom meetings when you live apart but you know we always try to sort of connect with my kids and so he wrote this text cold showers only until Thanksgiving, if you're not soft. So that went to me, it went to his brother. And 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 so great. And he wrote, then he wrote, you can't have one warm shower on Sunday. I have no idea what that means. So I started thinking about cold temperature. I thought, well, that'd be kind of cool to combine an episode about the extreme heat of the wet sauna with sauna box, with cold therapy, cold plunges, cold pools, et cetera. So I reached out to several of them and Lumi said, yeah, we would love to send you one of our cold plunges, and you can tell us what you think, and, and that would be a great episode that you could sort of put together. I, I do want to highlight one other group, just really fast. So as I was putting out these feelers for doing a, a cold plunge, I got one from Proper Plunge, who makes really beautiful wooden, you know, tubs or whatever i just kind of sent a message and they wrote back hey chris thanks for the message that sounds great i'll contact you and then he got back and said oh buddy i'd love to send i'd love to send ye one but i'm based in glasgow scotland the cost of getting one ice bath to you would be ridiculous probably best looking for one closer to home so anyway i wrote and said i really appreciate you getting back and 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 looking into it and that we would feature proper plunge on the podcast anyway so if you're interested in the products I have, saunabox you can find them on Instagram at the box. If you're interested in the Lumi plunge, it's at Lumi, L-U-M-I dot therapy. So just a disclaimer, I receive both of these products for free. I have not communicated really besides giving a mailing address much to either one of those companies, except for saunabox wrote and said, hey, be careful when you do X, Y, and Z, because it can rip if you're not careful with these parts of the setup. They haven't said, hey, here's some research we did on our product. Here's what we want you to look at. They haven't, we haven't talked about anything that I'm going to say. So uh, I just want to make sure that you understand that while I got these devices, they're not influencing the information I'm about to tell you. So let's move on and we'll start with hot therapy or the sauna box. So what I want to do is specifically think about these therapies as they relate to sleep. And so we'll differentiate, you know, recovery or immune system functioning. Now, you can't pull those things out completely. So, you know, saying something is or isn't better for sleep doesn't necessarily mean it isn't better for your overall health. And again, not improving sleep and harming sleep are two very different things. And I will say from the onset, I didn't find any information that would suggest sauna therapy, or cold plunge therapy, hurting sleep, with the caveat potentially of a cold plunge right before you go to bed. And we'll get into that in a little bit. So nothing harmful here, but does it actually help? So I work a lot of professional sports teams. One of my favorite things when I go out to work with a team, uh, and this is primarily with an NBA team, is you get there, get a little something to eat, meet some of the players and staff, and then there's a practice that lasts a couple hours. And then after the practice, you meet with some more people while they're getting their treatments and everybody goes home. Well, after practice, it's really interesting to watch which players sort of voluntarily go right to cold therapy. They get their little bathing suits on, and they've got these amazing cold therapy rooms, which I meant to take a picture of when I was out in Oklahoma City, you know, three beautiful pools with televisions tuned to sports and fun programming all around. I mean, they're trying to entice players into that situation because that cold therapy really helps with inflammation after you know difficult practices, particularly if you're doing it consistently. And there was a 2021 study called The Prevalence of Use of Various Post-Exercise Recovery Methods After Training Among Elite Endurance Athletes. And the number one was sauna bathing. That was like 96.7%. Number two, massage, 86.9%. Daytime napping, 81%. We can really see how sleep sort of factors into these types of things. And then long nights of sleep, like sleeping more than the typical individual might sleep, at least nine hours, 61.4%. The article went on to say the therapies that seem to have the biggest proven improvement in terms of exercise and recovery, which were cold water immersion and compression garments were being used 15% 15% for the cold water immersion and 7.8%. So it's really interesting. Are athletes using sauna therapy for health benefits, recovery? Absolutely. They're running towards it. And I think that that comfort, the heat, it feels good is probably a big reason why that's happening. But, you know, staffs of all these teams are having to basically chase players into the pool because Not a lot of people gravitate towards that naturally. So there's also a really interesting body of research I came across looking at sauna therapy as a way to promote a longer lifespan, better health, longer lifespan. And it was a pretty big body of evidence. There was a, and relatively recent, there was a 2018 study by Hunt called Could Heat Therapy Be an Effective Treatment for Alzheimer's and Parkinson's Disease? A narrative review. But what they're basically saying is, these conditions feature a lot of protein dysregulation. The proteins are not forming and unfolding properly and could regular exposure to heat help with that process. And there is evidence that says regular exposure to heat is actually helping us to activate certain proteins, these heat shock proteins that we don't typically um, sort of engage with. And this all kind of goes along with this, this uh This term called hormesis, which is if you expose yourself to something extreme or even in some situations dangerous, just a little bit over and over and over, does it actually promote something that is ultimately healthy? You know, I just watched the show alone, which I find fascinating. One of the competitors on Alone basically said, and I'm paraphrasing what he said, look, I'm from Mexico. I always drink the tap water. I think it's going to be a strength of mine that I have always gone out and kind of exposed myself to little bits of not such great water. He said, I think my body is just able to deal with it better. So this guy was literally going out to this lake in Labrador, cracking the ice and scooping out some water and just drinking it, not purifying it, not boiling it and he said it, it was a real advantage. I'm not recommending anybody do that. I'm not making a statement as to how smart that is, but the guy did really well on the show versus other people who just you know look at the water that hasn't been boiled and they are retching and they're being pulled out by a helicopter. So, another study, 2019 meta uh, meta, meta inflammation and cardiometabolic disease and obesity can heat therapy help. Again, talking more about the protein homeostasis and misregulation, could regular exposure to heat help with those things? There's a PISI study in 2021, the effective heat therapy on blood pressure and peripheral vascular function, a systemic review and meta-analysis. And finally, 2021 study, heat therapy, mechanistic underpinnings and application to cardiovascular health. So I think there is reason to believe that heat therapy, sauna therapy could be potentially beneficial to your health. So what is really happening when we're exposing ourselves to acute heat therapy? Well, uh, there have been studies that show that it acutely can show, can create a decreased blood pressure, uh, improve markers of cardiovascular function such as arterial, arterial stiffness, produces a mild state of hyperthermia and an elevated core body temperature resulting in the redistribution of blood towards the skin to promote sweating removal of some metabolic waste products like carbon dioxide and sodium, as well as water is increased. One thing I don't find a lot of evidence about is sweating out toxins. It might be happening. I don't find a lot of studies showing that we're really releasing toxins significantly in that way. So I always see that being advertised. Hey, you release toxins in your sweat. Maybe you do. I I see a lot of CO2, sodium types of things like that. I don't know, I don't know what toxins would be released through sweat in any kind of substantial way. Um, and this is what's interesting to me is a rise in ventilation, heart rate, and cardiovascular output can measure it to the body's increased need to uh, need for oxygen. Moreover, acute sauna bathing for more than 30 minutes has been shown to improve endothelial function via nitric oxide release. And we talked about that in the mouth taping episode, that breathing through your nose versus your mouth facilitates nitric oxide release, which is positive for our cardiovascular health and a subsequent increase in vasodilation. And then collectively, all of that is creating a response as if you were exercising. So imagine going out and running on a treadmill versus sitting in the hot sauna a lot of the parameters that we're talking about are changing in similar ways. So often hot sauna is being described as an exercise mimetic. It's mimicking the effects of exercise and it's producing an effect equivalent to sort of moderate to vigorous working out. And so this has led to the idea that perhaps we could use this as a substitute to exercise. What's the number one thing that benefits sleep quality? I think it's exercise. If you're, I mean, if you're looking at research, we've talked about that before. So could the sauna be producing things like that almost passively? And this has been looked at in older individuals who can't you know, do moderate to vigorous exercise on a treadmill, but they could sit down in a monitored way. You have to be very careful with older people just because the heat of the sauna um be very careful with it uh, so the the other thing that, that, that with hot sauna you see is a change in inflammation and immune modulation so the acute exposure to heat triggers the release of something called interleukin 6 so interleukins are a, a collection of inflammatory proteins that assist in inflammation in the immune system so Interleukin-6 plays a really pivotal role in the initial stages of inflammation. You went out and you exercised hard or you've been injured, IL-6 is a signal to begin the inflammation cascade. And I know what you're thinking, you're thinking, well, why would I wanna do something like heat exposure that promotes inflammation? But what happens is it's the initial step of inflammation. And as time passes, interleukin-6 starts to behave as an anti-inflammatory. So what really happens with that heat exposure is you sort of start the inflammation process, but it starts to kind of curb itself. It starts to sort of limit itself and eventually become anti-inflammatory versus pro-inflammatory. So interleukin-6 is often dampens eventually the inflammation cycle, And starts to help release various anti-inflammatory cytokines like interleukin-10, which is extremely important for healing. So now we're starting to look at, okay, the last week's episode on sleep and injury, we can go back in time and talk about the sleep and temperature episode, which was episode 25. Now the extreme temperatures kind of pulling it all together. Can we actually start to facilitate a anti-inflammatory environment and one that is pro-sleep? And so when you think about inducing something like a small degree of hyperthermia, let's say an hour before we go to bed, we hop in the sauna, we're in there for 30 minutes and we get our core body temperature up. Now, as we get out clean ourselves up, get ready for the evening, turn our lights down, dim our temperature, get our beds ready to go. Our body temperature is going to move towards a homeostatic set point. We're a little bit hyperthermic now. So now we're going to drop. So when you go back to episode 25 and look at those temperature curves, we're actually creating a hyperthermic. We're we're elevating the peak of that curve. And now as we start to cool down, we're creating a slope. So imagine building a, I don't know, a, a, a skateboard ramp for your kids. They're little and they're into skateboarding. So you go out and build a little half pipe. As they get older, they're like, we want something a little bit more intense. So you add on to it and make it even taller. That's kind of what we're doing here is that the sauna therapy is creating a higher peak of our body temperature prior to bed. We're still gonna get that drop, but now we're gonna make it even more severe. And remember we talked about one of the triggers for sleep is the point of that temperature curve that's the steepest, which is usually happening 10 or 11 o'clock at night around the time we're going to bed. Can we make it even more steep with passive heating? That's really what the the sauna therapy is really geared towards doing. There was a 2017 study, the effects of hyperthermic baths on depression, sleep, and heart rate variability in patients with depressive disorder. So this wasn't a a wet sauna, but rather a wet bath that was hot. So a hot tub situation, uh, which is not necessarily equivalent, but I think it's it's serving the same purpose. And they showed that there was evidence that hot baths improve sleep in elderly patients, patients with depression, and insomnia patients. So again, I want to be specific about the population that they were looking at. Uh, smaller studies have shown sauna use prior to sleep does increase deep sleep. Um, again, is it a, is it working through that sort of temperature exercise mimetic? And I think that when we think about saunas and step outside of what's happening with temperature curves and things of that nature, what else could they be doing to support sleep? I think the first is it's a zeitgeber, right? It's a strong one. If every night, two hours before you get, you have dinner you clean up the kitchen, you get ready for your shower. Before you shower, you head out to your sauna and sit in there for 30 minutes, you know, get out, shower off, get ready for bed. I think that becomes a very strong sight giver for sleep. And we talked about in our circadian rhythm episodes, that was episode 14. So creating that rhythm of the sauna before you go to bed every night. I know a lot of people with restless leg do the hot bath before they go to bed. Heat often helps with restless leg therapy. I don't have a lot of evidence. I looked for, could sauna therapy help with restless leg? I bet it can, but I'm going to throw a disclaimer in there. That's my opinion. I I don't have any solid evidence about that. But when you talk to people with restless leg, heating up is a big, big, big positive when it comes to their RLS. It is mine too. I can't tell you what the sauna therapy does to RLS, but we're going to do some experiments this weekend with the sauna box and the cold plunge. And I will let you know. I think it calms people. I mean, every time I go into a sauna or hot tub or something of that nature, when I get out, I feel pretty loosey-goosey. Like I'm pretty relaxed and calm. And I just find it to be a very positive, nice experience to sit through. And that calming, relaxing sort of situation, serving as a time cue and creating a steeper temperature drop I'm sold. I I think the sauna box, hot therapy, hot tub, whatever you're using, I think is probably a positive. If you don't want to invest in the sauna box, which is not terribly expensive, I feel like it's like $238 or something of that nature. You know, we talk about hot baths and hot showers all the time. I think that could be really helpful as well too. So we'll be trying out the sauna box. Check out the Instagram feed this week for my experience with it. Looking forward to seeing how that works out. So let's move on to cold therapy. And there have been studies of cold plunge and cold, cold water therapy, um, CWT, I always call it CWT, cold water therapy. There's lots of it out there. If you're dealing with things related to inflammation, arthritis, you're a vigorous exercise, you're getting a little older, joints are sore. I, I'm sold on cold water therapy in terms of a recovery tool. And I'm sure that if you asked every strength and conditioning coach and athletic trainer with any sports organization, I think that anybody saying that they didn't believe in cold water therapy would very much be in the, in the minority. And if you don't believe me, start looking around for a cold plunge tank. There are a million of them. There's so many, I I had no idea where to start. Um, and I was really Appreciative for Looney for sending me one out because they make a very affordable cold plunge. Again, I don't know how I'm going to respond to this. I, I'm sort of a cold water wimp. It's kind of a joke among my family. So I'm not really wanting to throw down thousands and thousands of dollars for a tub that I'm not sure how I'm going to respond to. But I think in general, people who are in the know would say cold water therapy is great. Now for sleep. That's where we're sort of trying to figure out where we land here. So there was a study 2018, sleep quantity and quality during consecutive day heat training with the inclusion of cold water immersion recovery. So basically it was 30 men and they were sort of put into three groups um, over a five day period. You're doing a 90 minute cycle, then 15 minutes Of sort of passive cooling down. There was a 90 minute cycle followed by 15 minutes of cold water therapy. And then there was sort of a hybrid group. And basically what they showed was they couldn't really see any changes in terms of sleep when it came to the cold water group. There's another 2015 study that basically was called sleep. It was in sports medicine, sleep hygiene, recovery strategies, and elite soccer players. Uh, This was Cold water therapy was part of that as well too. And the summary was cold water therapy close to bed was debated in terms of its effectiveness with sleep. And I really couldn't find a lot of studies or any studies that said, yes, cold water therapy right before you go to bed is going to improve sleep parameters. However, there was a 2019 study by Listella that reported a shorter sleep onset latency, so falling asleep faster, among individuals who used cold water immersion compared with a placebo condition in elite cyclists during a simulated uphill climbing tour. However, and this is important, is the cold water immersion was performed early in the day, around one o'clock to two o'clock, And sleep was monitored using wristwatch actigraphy, which we've still not done our sleep and technology episode, but actigraphy is probably not the best way to sort of assess sleep architecture. However, this study was basically saying, look, we see some signals that it's a little bit better. So even if actigraphy isn't the gold standard, it was being used in all the groups. And they were saying, look, we see within this actigraphy that the individuals using cold water therapy earlier in the day, seem to be falling asleep a little bit faster. And now we sort of get into, okay, let's think about that cold, that that um, we're gonna think about the sauna therapy as building up the sides of the ramp. So we get a steeper drop. I think using cold water therapy earlier in the day is sort of the opposite. We're digging out the middle of the half pipe and making that a little bit steeper. So when you look at temperature max, it's usually around three, four o'clock in the afternoon. That's when it's rising. We're rising, we're rising, we're rising. We hit three, four o'clock in the afternoon. We plateau for a little while. Then we start to drop. And by 11 o'clock, the drop is very steep. So it makes a lot of sense to me, both from a sleep perspective and an athletic perspective, to do the cold water therapy earlier in the day, probably right after you exercise, just like our NBA players. So now you get that hyper, I'm sorry, hypothermia, right? But we're doing it at a time where we get out of the cold therapy and we live the rest of our day on the upswing. So we hop out, our bodies are cold inside, we've been sitting in an ice tank for 30 minutes. And as our body starts to warm up, We're starting from a lower temperature, warming up to the high, which we're increasing with our sauna therapy, and then the low. So I think of it all as a big sine wave. You know, we studied sine, cosine, tangent, you know, just think about that wave up and down, up and down. And what we're doing with extreme temperature is making the up higher and the low lower. So then the question becomes, does that separation improve sleep? And that's everything with sleep hygiene, isn't it? We talk about lowering temperature at night, but wanting to exercise during the day. We talk about dark at night, but bright during the day. What we're trying to do with sleep is increase the difference between these two things, whatever they are. I want lots and lots of light during the day, zero light at night. I want a big delta between those two states. Same thing with exercise, big exercise. When you want to be awake, I do not want you exercising vigorously 15 minutes before you go to bed. Lots of social interaction during the day, not so much at night. Lots of light and entertainment and TV and your cell phone during the day, none when you go to bed at night. So that's really what's happening, I think, with extreme temperature. And there was a great study that just came out 2021 called the effect of the depth of cold water immersion on sleep architecture and recovery among well-trained male endurance runners. There were 12 people in the study, so you can take it for what it's worth. But what they showed was the individuals who immersed themselves in the cold water therapy versus individuals who only put a smaller part of their body in in, in the cold water therapy showed improved sleep. So slow wave sleep proportion was higher during the first 180 minutes of sleep, which is usually when Deep sleep is happening in the individuals who had the whole body immersion versus people who were partially immersed. So, what that means is during this week of experimentation with my sauna and my cold tub, I've got to go all the way in. I can't just stick my legs up to my knees and and do it. And we got to be there for a while. So, we talked about what are some other things that could be going on besides directly affecting sleep with cold therapy like we did with hot therapy, I think the first one and the big one is pain. I talk to people who use a lot of cold therapy and within a very short period of time, their bodies just feel better, especially if you're getting a little bit older and you're still working out. I'm trying to keep up with two young sons and my body is not the way it was when I was in my twenties. I think cold therapy can really be something to help with inflammation recovery, And I think that alone could make somebody sleep better. If your hips and shoulders and joints feel better, you're going to sleep better. Reducing inflammation, we know has a direct link to improving sleep quality. Um, And I think just like the sauna might improve things through that process of hormiosis, I think regular exposure to cold therapy does as well too. So If you're interested, the experiment begins now. We're going to drop this podcast on Sunday and throughout the week. I'm getting my cold tub set up. I'm getting the sauna box set up. And we're going to try some things out and take a look and see how things relate to our sleep. If you have experience with saunas and cold therapy, cold plunges, you're the Wim Hof expert let us know what you think about it, what your own experiences were with cold therapy and sauna therapy, how it affects your sleep specifically. We really want to hear from you. want to give another final thanks to Sauna Box. Again, you can find them social media at the Sauna Box and Lumi for the cold tank. It's uh, at Lumi, L-U-M-I dot therapy, T H E R. APY. Well, we're really indebted to you making this podcast fun. Now, keep in mind in November, we have our year end gift giving episode of all things related to sleep. And I, I can't promise anything, but I'm going to work really hard to see if we can get some discount codes from the good people at SaunaBox. And the good people at Lumi Therapy, uh, so you all can can make this a, a part of your 2024 resolutions for better health. Uh, We'll give one final shout out to the the the, the lovely people. What were they at the? Oh, I'm blanking on our our ice pl- the ice. Oh, proper proper plunge. If you're in Scotland, I think you should check them out. They make really beautiful. plunge pools or proper plunge pools, underscore G L a. That's it for the podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Look forward to hearing you next week. Take a listen to the sleep unplugged podcast on Spotify. We'll put some foreigner songs on there. that will be a good thing for you to listen to, to take your mind off of being in the cold plunge and until next week, everyone sleep well.